0: Hey guys, we'll get to the show in just a second. Catherine Watson is up, and she did a great job on this episode. We talked about fear uh, and some really weird tangents, uh, which is completely hashtag on brand for us. I uh, wanted to make an announcement real quick. We, we recorded the show right before we found out that Billy Graham had passed away, so we didn't get a chance to incorporate that uh, into, the, into the flow at all. Uh, but also, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who's been supporting the show, either by buying fun sexy bible time t-shirts you can find those at tpublic.com or by supporting us on the patreon Uh, you can find some patreon.com slash Pierce. that helps to pay hosting costs for the podcast but also like it it, it's really helped us to be able to start paying our co-hosts for coming on this show And, and it's not a lot it's just like a token thing but it is a gesture of saying, hey, your time is valuable, and we appreciate you coming on. Uh, so I just want to say thank you to everyone who has supported us. If you would like to support us, check us out at those two places. All right, let's get on with the show.
1: Are you about to tell me something horrible?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to tell you something horrible. Nice, I didn't realize you and I actually were siblings growing up.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I even though neither one of us have seen the movie Black Panther, I feel like it's very important for our listeners to know exactly how woke we are. And that we both love Black Panther, even though we haven't seen it.
1: Yeah, I don't need to see it. I love it.
0: that That's how deep my respect is for Black Panther, is that I'm not even going to see it. Because I know how good it is.
1: If you saw it, it would inevitably have a moment that disappointed you. So I think you're better off just not seeing <laughs> <laughs> leave it. Leave it pure in your heart. I think it's actually like... You know how if you date a girl and you give a piece of your heart to her?
0: Oh, oh, now we're getting in, now we're getting into my jam right here.
1: Yeah, I think if you saw Black Panther, you would be like crumbling up a piece of your wokeness and giving it away (sighs) to somebody that didn't deserve it. So you should just stay away from Black Panther. Don't do it until, you know, you meet somebody who's definitely as woke as you. And until you guys have spoken to both of your dads, and then you could probably go see it.
0: And to carry the purity, the purity culture analogy one step further, at that point, it'd be better.
1: Oh, yeah. It would be so amazing. You wouldn't even have to pretend that you enjoyed it anymore. And all of the pain of pretending that you liked it and knew about it would be erased. Because it would be the perfect Black Panther for you.
0: Because it'll, God will bless it if I wait. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think I'm glad that we're vibing with this here, and I hope that when you go to see Black Panther, you bring the right person.
0: Okay, so, <laughs> yes, it, it wasn't from like the, the analogy that was that was hit with me in my teen years was not crumpling up a piece of it. It was it was tape. It was tape, and tape has only got a little bit of sticky on it, and if you just walk around sticking, sticking your tape on every every girl that walks by you won't have oh any
1: disgusting sticky left. that is so disgusting so eventually the adhesive the adhesive would just be completely gone am i understanding that correctly yes,
0: yes. Oh, and, then wow. when you're, and then when you the, the the girl that god has selected for you arrives you don't have any sticky for her it's just you, like
1: can't, adhere, you can't adhere to her at all all you have you're just like a rolled up lint brush at exactly. that point exactly Oh wow, that's that's really really disturbing. I have to admit, I'm I'm really sorry that anyone told you that. <laughs>
0: and, and the other one was it was a rose, and I was handing out petals to every girl that I was interested in.
1: Uh huh.
0: And,
1: oh, and you and, didn't want to run out of petals.
0: I it would just be like a stem by the time my godmate arrived.
1: Please accept this stem. Yeah. Well, I I, I don't even know what to do with that. I mean, we were told the the rip apart paper, paper hard analogy, and um, I think the only other one I've, I was aware of was the, the chewed up piece of gum. I think every Christian girl has been warned not to be a chewed up piece of gum. Mm, Nobody of gum. Um, I mean, it didn't really work for me, but I, <laughs> 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 I, I I apologize to Christian women everywhere that believed in the chewed up piece of gum.
0: Okay. Well, how did the analogy go though? Like, you only your husband can chew you. Like,
1: yeah, exactly. Only you only want to be chewed. Your flavor would only be robust with ah, one. Okay. Yeah, that that was it. And and that anyone who chewed you up would just spit you out. I guess.
0: Okay, and then like. But like if you got chewed by everybody, by the time you got to your husband, it'd be like your husband was chewing up like all those other guys too.
1: Yes, exactly. The, the different, yeah, the, the saliva was definitely a it part like of it. A, so actually, maybe this is worse than the lint brush tape.
0: It was like a pyramid because he'd be chewing up all the girls that all those guys had chewed up too and all the, he'd be chewing up all the partners at once.
1: Yeah, chewing all the, yeah, delicious. Exactly. You got it.
0: Youth group was so real.
1: <laughs> yeah, the things we learned in youth group, although I have to say that my youth group was not the typical, I think, evangelical youth group experience. There was a, a lot of, um, there was like step dancing happening, there were rap battles happening, yeah, totally, there was, um, you know, it was... I, I we were in New York City. We did some cooler stuff. We we went to a Carmen concert at Madison Square Garden.
0: Okay, now that's 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 cool, but get out of here with all that other pagan madness. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. All that rhythm worship.
0: Yeah. Okay. Confession <laughs> time. I actually one of my things is I go through and like, I I I like to look at old photographs of youth groups from like the nineties.
1: Uh-huh. One of my things. Okay. Yeah. We all have our things. Go on. <laughs>
0: And I found a, a, a picture from an old angel fire site and it's like of a youth group rafting trip or something. And they're like all in the water and like all the, the guys are shirtless and like a couple of the girls are in pretty small bikinis. And I had like over the course of like two and three nights, like on, on Twitter, like just this massive discussion with all these like youth group aficionados of, is this an actual youth group? Like what is going on here? Because I I never knew a youth group like that.
1: Did you feel you were cheated? You were like, there were youth groups like that.
0: Oh, definitely. (laughs) I mean, not that I would have gone up and talked to a girl in a bikini at at any point.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say that that was a Lutheran youth group.
0: (laughs) You were actually not the first person that said that.
1: Yeah. That was a Lutheran youth group. One, because they were rafting and, um, you know, two, because of the bikinis, I, that's unequivocal proof. Hmm.
0: Well, okay. Uh, you know, that, that's the expertise you bring to fun, sexy Bible time.
1: <laughs> I don't even need to see the photo.
0: I, I debated whether to tweet the photo or not. I, I don't know. You okay. felt like,
1: you felt like you couldn't be an evangelical thought leader and tweet that photo. Well, it's
0: kind of creepy if like, you know, yeah, he here, check out these, you know, half naked teenagers. I mean, that's what the DMs are for, obviously.
1: Yeah, obviously. Well, now you're out in the open. We're we're Twitter is like your own covenant eyes. All of us, all several thousand of us.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of speaking of things, I was afraid of girls in bikinis. That that actually should have made the list. Was the, the female body, um, <laughs> just females in general, not just the body. But, they
1: are terrifying. That was right.
0: That was right on. Um, excellent segue. Excellent segue we just did there. Okay, so we're talking about fear today. And um, I don't know. I, I got off to thinking about fear the past couple weeks. And I thought, i got to get Catherine on the podcast because this seems like it's something right up her alley.
1: <laughs> Catherine seems very fearful. <laughs>
0: Of the intersection of, of faith and fear, that that's a that's a that's a very Catherine esque topic right there.
1: Okay, I have to agree. I have to I have to say that I'm excited to talk about this. I like it.
0: Um, and from there, it it went into okay. What are the things in my life that I've been afraid of? So I got with you, and we decided that we would make separate lists and not tell each other what we had on our list of different things that we've been afraid of throughout our life. Okay. Um, and I will go ahead and start. And if you, if you've seen the fun, sexy Bible time Twitter, I give you a little sneak peek of this. Um, one of the things I was most terrified of as a child, uh, was the animatronic band at showbiz restaurant.
1: <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. So they had one of those at, um, at Chuck E. Cheese too. Okay. Um, I, I know this is not a swearing podcast really, but that ish is terrifying. You were totally right that there's some demonic stuff at work in those animatronic bands.
0: I'm really glad. I'm really glad that, that you understood that reference because it's, I don't even have, like what words am I looking for here? Demonic is good.
1: I mean, you're sitting there, you're trying to have a good time. You're overextended. You're sweaty and you're eating pizza and all of a sudden these smelly furry animals they start jerking their heads in a way that's supposed to resemble you know life it's It's that
0: otherworldly like but also like kind of like weirdly realistic too
1: (laughs) it's it has that note of like it's it's real enough to scare you but not real enough to like give you any sort of comfort and like suspend your disbelief like maybe you're watching something real
0: yes they're, they're big they're they're like adult sized so as a kid that's freaking huge and like i don't know how was it was at your showbiz or chuck e cheese but at mine they it was they they were they were behind like a huge curtain and the curtain would like open up whenever they were about to do a song
1: totally was the band called like the razzle dazzle band or something like uh, that it was i
0: called the rock Fire explosion
1: Oh my gosh, I must have been scared too though because I have some very vivid memories of watching it and just wishing it would end.
0: And my worst fear, like this was this is like the crux of it, my worst fear was somehow getting trapped on the stage and the curtain closing and like <laughs> being trapped behind the curtain in the dark with Oh my
1: all, god, you guys went to showbiz a lot, huh?
0: Well, like this is Alabama. And, like, anytime anybody in church had a birthday, like, it was going to be at showbiz. It was either showbiz or the roller skating rink. Like, those are That's, the only okay. two things.
1: Yeah. So, every time you got a birthday party invite, you were like, please, God, the roller skating rink. Please, please.
0: <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I wasn't great at roller skating either because I was, I was very clumsy as a child. So, it, it, was, it was it was 50-50. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, um I think that you're probably going to relate to what I wrote down as my worst childhood fear. Okay. Which was accidentally seeing a witchcraft movie.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Like I knew that I would never purposefully watch a witchcraft movie, but I was really scared that I'd be watching something that I thought had, you know, something okay like aliens and it would turn out that it was a witch behind it all. And I would have watched it. I would have imbibed the spirits into my soul and it would be too late. Like I couldn't get them out.
0: Nice. I didn't realize you and I actually were siblings growing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Phantom siblings. We just couldn't see each other. That's because I watched the witchcraft movie. I would have been able to see you. Mm. Yeah. So that was, that was a big, big terrifying thing. Also, I was really scared that I would go to a sleepover and that there would be a Ouija board.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I don't know why I thought that was gonna happen one day. It this, never did
0: was this like a like a phobia fueled by jack Chick tracks?
1: <laughs> I don't know. It was probably fueled by the movie Jumanji okay but i would, which I was never allowed to watch but i I think there's a Ouija board in it
0: we, we We would get like whipped up into a frenzy by things like those those tracks where you know the bad guys are always witches and Satanists and things like that that were out to kill children. Um, uh-huh. But then, like, being homeschooled, like, yeah, definitely before the internet, being homeschooled, you just... There were a lot of spook stories that you couldn't verify of things like that.
1: Like, you feel like you held on to those urban legends for yeah. a long other people? Because there was no one to be like, that's BS. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember seeing, like, a homeschool newsletter one time. Uh, and there was a story about uh, demons possessing girls' dolls, <laughs> and it was like firsthand account, or a firsthand account of uh, like a homeschool family that their daughter had like a worldly doll or something, and demons possessed <laughs> it, and were like speaking to the girl, and like the family had to like surround the doll and cast out the demon or something.
1: Oh my gosh, they had to exercise the doll.
0: Yeah, uh-huh.
1: Yeah, that's, this, that's really scary. I'm really sorry that you encountered that homeschool newsletter, uh, and I hope that the family survived.
0: You know, when you would hear things like that, there was just no, there was nothing to hold it up against. You just kind yeah. of take it at face value.
1: Yeah, no, totally. You're just trapped with your fear at that point. hmm
0: Definitely. Um, <clears throat> uh. I think another fear I had, actually, I get a lot of, I get a lot of jokes about, you know, being afraid that the rapture would come back and I'd still be a virgin, that kind of thing, <laughs> um, and that's fine. I mean, and that was part of it, I guess. Um, but I think probably the the bigger fear that you could lump that in with uh, was just the fear I had, and pretty much all throughout adolescence and into early adulthood, was just of being alone.
1: With the demonic worldly doll. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like, were you, are you linking being alone to like a fear being left behind perhaps, or was it more Mm. fear just in general that like, you you know, it was just you against the world. Like, are you talking about like physical loneliness?
0: Yeah. I mean, physical and romantic, I guess. Um, You know, it's hard to see the, it's hard to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes, um, when you're a, you know, doing the Christian thing, B doing the homeschool thing, um, you know, and C introverted to begin with.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I guess I can't relate to that as much because I really wanted to be alone. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I told my dad that the only way I'd ever accept a husband is if he, got a, if he had a two floor home and I lived on one floor and he lived on the other floor, I said that would be an acceptable marriage arrangement. And I would, uh, you know, I would settle for nothing less.
0: At what age did you renege on that?
1: I have never reneged on that. (laughs) 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 And that's why having a husband who's a firefighter is the perfect occupation because he is working at night right now at his other home. And I have this whole night to myself and it's glorious. <laughs> <laughs> so it worked out. I'm a prophet. That's what you should take from that.
0: <laughs> uh, but no, you know, I definitely, that was definitely something I struggled with a lot, like in the teenage years of, uh, you know, seeing other people and how they form relationships and, and how they, you know, other guys had girlfriends and that I didn't understand how that stuff worked. And, you know, all the while I was getting, you know, this theology pumped into me of, you know, well, there's there's one person out there that God has set aside for you. You just have to wait until she arrives.
1: Yeah, so totally, that's like looming all the time. Like, well, what if something happens to her? What if she gets hit by a car on the way here? Mm,
0: yeah, what if, you know, she is attacked by her possessed doll?
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot could happen on our way to you. I I'm glad that we are kind of hopefully I feel like the, I know I'll never tell my kids anything like that. I um, <laughs> feel like hopefully we're moving on from that theology. If you can even call it theology, I don't know what to call it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, so something else that I was really afraid of um, was I guess as I moved into my teenage years, as you're, you're talking about what you were scared of in your teenage years, um, I guess I became pretty scared of death.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, I, I definitely became someone who thought about death a lot and wondered if death was something... I wanted it to be something good or something bad. You know, I wanted to, like, equate it with, uh, you know, like, an emotion or, or, like, a morality. Like, what is death? Um, and I... I probably yeah I know I'm not a goth I wore a ton of American Eagle believe it or not but (laughs) um yeah so I was like I was like a Betty Cooper but obsessed with death that was me in high school um I think probably now we're getting like really dark that was from like watching the terrorist attacks happen and um you know maybe knowing some people that died around that time when I entered high school um but anyway I'm not obsessed with death anymore I feel like I honestly feel like that's a part of coming to your own personal philosophy, though, right? Like kind of wrestling with what it would mean to come to the end of yourself and, um, you know, maybe asking yourself questions about what if God's not there at the end of all this? You know, what if I, I come to the end of the line and, and and my soul escapes to somewhere that's not so good and kind of letting yourself go there, you know, although it is it is really scary no matter how old we are when we try to parse it out.
0: Well, that was that was my question was how did how was that connected to your personal theology like was it was it doubt?
1: Um yeah, I think it it was definitely like the first time I decided to confront my own doubt head on. I was like, okay, well, um I'm not going to do this halfway. I'm going to become obsessed with doom and death. <laughs> <laughs> so um I I think that was probably probably linked like you're saying, but it it can take a long time to sort of Sort through being okay with having a God that allows death, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's something that I'm, I still think about sometimes. But for for most of us, whenever whenever we wake up and realize that our lives will end, um, it's it's really scary, no matter how old we are.
0: Did you ever get? Did you ever find yourself in one of those, I guess, currents of theology where there was a lot of like rapture talk of, you know. You probably won't die before Jesus comes back.
1: Um, I think. I think even from a really young age, I just like rejected that. <laughs> like I remember reading the Tim LaHaye books and the Jerry B. Jenkins books, and then I went on to read the Left Behind kids books, which I actually found out were written by somebody else named. Um, well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but those were those books were um, ghostwritten, the kids ones. So anyway. Um, I remember reading all of that stuff and being like, this is stupid (laughs) like the whole time. And I remember being such a disappointment because I went with my church to watch, you know, left behind the movie, Kirk Cameron flames exploding in his eyes, Buck Williams, the sexy hero that will save us all from the antichrist. And I'm sitting there and I was just like, so not impressed. I couldn't wait for it to be over. And, Yeah, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't about it. I was like, you know, whenever God comes back, he's not going to tell you fools.
0: Wait, okay, so why aren't you allowed to, are you not allowed to say who actually wrote The Left Behind Kids?
1: I, I, I don't, it was Jen Hatmaker, wasn't it? It was Jen Hat, no, no, I, I think that the person talks about it openly, but I'm not quite sure if the person talks about it openly. Okay. So, and as a former ghostwriter myself, I don't want to out anybody unintentionally.
0: I, you know, I've actually heard things like that from from other people about other Christian books. Um, I, I think it's a lot more widespread than probably. Well,
1: as far, as far as fiction goes, like, I think it's a little bit more rare for a fiction book to be ghostwritten, especially when there's like two big names behind it already. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, those. <laughs> um,
0: you know my Kindle book Homeschool Sex Machine was actually Written by John MacArthur
1: <laughs> And I can understand why He would let you use your name for it in <laughs> But if I ever want to know John MacArthur's Real thoughts I'll know where to look First <laughs> And you know all of the Thomas Kincaid paintings Were actually done by me <laughs> <I mean. laughs>
0: Do we need a Thomas Kincaid um, detour here
1: <laughs> I don't know I was never afraid of him The painter of light he brought me hope You,
0: you should have been afraid of Thomas Kincaid The, the man Wh- Why He.
1: <laughs> Are you about to tell me something horrible
0: Oh yeah I'm definitely going to tell you something horrible Okay I am not afraid <laughs> I'm an evangelical thought leader He uh, He had a very unique form Of evangelism uh meaning that when he felt it necessary, he would pull out his spiritual gift in public places and just whiz in a corner
1: oh okay
0: uh, uh, there's a name for it it's like ritual oh, what is it? I'm gonna have to look it up now He would pee in public like mark <laughs> he like mark his territory in public <laughs> <laughs> I yeah and he was uh he would like get drunk and i think like, he grabbed a woman's lady blessing one time like when she was like having him sign something or something
1: well i thomas kincaid hashtag me too i had no idea
0: <laughs> i mean he's dead now so i don't really care but he's not dead no way yeah he's dead
1: thomas kincaid's not dead too <laughs> There's no way he's dead. He's like 96 years old. He's going to live forever.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm looking at his Wikipedia here. In 2006, he was at a, he became drunk at a Siegfried and Roy magic show. Oh
1: my gosh. And began
0: shouting, codpiece, codpiece at the performers. <laughs> Eventually he was calmed by his mother.
1: <laughs> Happens to the best of us.
0: I mean, that's why you got to take your mom to Siegfried and Roy, you know?
1: now we know what he's afraid of he's definitely afraid of tigers (laughs) Uh, that's a shame so it was my fault for bringing up the painter of light
0: no he definitely peed everywhere though
1: he's totally still alive though
0: no he's dead
1: this was in 2006 this happened so when did he die
0: uh let's go back up and find out um 2012
1: okay it's all right that I didn't know that. It only happened six years ago.
0: Well, but I mean, once you start having kids, like you can't be, you can't be blamed for not knowing stuff. You can't keep
1: track of every, every hokey painter that dies.
0: Mm. Yeah. he He was no Bob Ross.
1: <laughs> no one is. That's really the painter of our generation.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, that was a worthy tangent right there. <laughs> anytime you get to talk about like a uh an icon of christianity who pees everywhere
1: yeah i agree it, um, uh, we all should know the truth that's what god meant when he talked about everything coming to light eventually he meant your podcast
0: is that male privilege though to to be able to just pee anywhere um, let's get <laughs> woke let's get woke about this
1: Uh, yeah, I would say that's, that's definitely that that's toxic masculinity, not male privilege. That's
0: the real shame of this is that he was abusing his privilege just by peeing, you know, just whatever moment, whichever direction he needed to pee.
1: Whenever it sees him. Yeah. I mean, that's what I tell my, my boys when I teach them about how to use the bathroom. I say, well, don't (laughs) you abuse your male privilege? And then they look at me and they say, mommy, it's too late. (laughs) yeah that's the cross i have to bear as a as a mother of two boys the fact that they'll be universally hated and they'll probably deserve it Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: thomas kincaid with his just pulling okay okay we got it i got a segue here i can do this
1: okay what else give me another fear
0: speaking of uh speaking of phallic issues
1: oh my gosh nice
0: One of my most recent fears is a fear of snakes.
1: No. Oh, okay. This is going to be good. Go on.
0: Did did the segue work? I think it worked.
1: I think it worked.
0: Okay. Okay. So I live kind of in the country. Um, Woods behind my house. We lived in this house for like five years and didn't see a single snake, which which is pretty good for Alabama, I guess. And then... A couple years ago like we just started seeing them everywhere and then my brother who lives pretty close to us he got copperheads on his property
1: oh no it was like a plague
0: <laughs> i guess it was i guess it was. carmen stopped touring and then the snakes just come out
1: <laughs> it was because i scoffed at the left behind movie yeah. <laughs> you were smoked by snakes so how did your brother get rid of the snakes
0: uh me my brother is uh my brother is uh, in the armed forces and he had a bonfire like the night before he was supposed to deploy and had like one of his army buddies over and i guess the bonfire disturbed the poisonous snakes and uh long (laughs) story short his friend got bit oh no my brother went to help him and like the Copperhead, like, struck at my brother and, like, missed him by just, like, just a little bit. And uh, so then, like, the next day, my brother has to deploy. Like, you know, it's the Army. You got to go. And uh, his friend had to go to the hospital and get, like, $400,000 worth of anti-venom put in him.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: But um, so my brother's gone. And, uh, you know, down south, we're you know, we uh, family is, uh, you know, we, we, we take on blood vendettas down here. So when my brother left, like the rest of my family had to rally. Like me and my dad had to go over and 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 fight the copperheads on my brother's oh,
1: property. How did you prepare for that?
0: It's one of the dumbest things I've ever done. Uh, because copperheads come out at night. So we had to go out with like shovels and flashlights. Uh, like <laughs> 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 just looking for copperheads, like a couple of dummies. <laughs>
1: This sounds like everything anyone's ever told me about Alabama. Yeah. I'm not going.
0: And, you know, and we were wearing uh, make America great hats and overalls. <laughs> as we
1: <were> <laughs> you had on um, you had on fishing gear too, right? Like just because.
0: <laughs> but no, like we couldn't we couldn't take guns because like he had a bunch of like he's got like rocks, like on his property.
1: So the okay, so if you shot a snake, it would just ricochet back at you.
0: Yes, exactly. But, uh, we, we went out to where the bonfire was, where my brother's friend got bit and we were looking for him, you know, in the dark and it was really creepy. And, uh, long story short, we turned around and my brother has like this big ivy patch and the copperheads were in the ivy and they were watching us.
1: They were all together, like a family of them?
0: Uh, there were two that we found and they were, and they That's were watching true. us like from behind.
1: And, and what did you do?
0: We, uh, we waged glorious war against them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You just, you just like hit them with a shovel or what?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I
1: feel like you don't want to admit that you killed them. I feel like you're a cheetah right now.
0: I don't want to be, you know, bloodthirsty, uh, but yes, we killed them.
1: It was not your proudest moment.
0: Well, like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to seem cruel because, you know, I mean, I don't hunt like uh, I love animals, but. I mean that's crossing a line, you know, when you have poisonous animals that attack your family.
1: Yeah, you have to do something. Well, okay. M- my my husband, you know, the man to whom I am a helpmeet, he <laughs> <laughs> a couple years ago, he decided he wanted to start breeding snakes. What? Yeah, he decided he wanted to start breeding snakes in our small one-bedroom apartment. What? Uh, yeah, he. this was going to be his second income. Apparently, Matthew, there's money in snakes. I'm just going to, you know, I shouldn't tell you this, but there's money in snakes apparently. And, yeah, so he, start, he got all these snakes, and he would go to reptile shows, and he would come back from the reptile shows, and he would always go, like, supposed to buy a, one snake, and he would come back with, like, a bunch of snakes, and it got to the point where I had no idea how many snakes he even had. Um, and none of them were poisonous, but almost all of them, um, are like extraordinarily rare. So he had these breeding projects going on and that's it. They just live in our basement. Um, I think that they're happy. I don't really bother them. They all have names. Um, one time when we lived in the one bedroom apartment, one escaped and my husband never told me, and I think it just died in the wall. And oh then gosh. like, and then like months later, he was like, yeah, never did find that one.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Can I just yeah. say, biblically, I think that's grounds for divorce.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I think actually it's grounds for my elevation. I think I should be canonized. I'm waiting for my heavenly, my gems for that one, because Wow. if the man wants to have snakes, he can have snakes. I mean, they don't really bother me. I don't have to interact with them. It's like a thing he does with my sons, but it's definitely you know one time one of them laid eggs and they smelled really bad so, so if would he I be mean,
0: like offended to know that like i killed copperheads
1: no i think he would want to come visit you and help you hunt the rest of them he would think that was so cool and he would probably try to trap one okay because at these reptile shows, people sell extremely dangerous things. Like, I won't, I, I draw the line at anything that could like choke out my children, you know, oh, yeah. pythons or anything poisonous. We don't have anything like that. Um, but we do have king snakes, which eat other snakes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he would probably bring his king snakes down and, and let them loose on your property, would be my guess. I gotcha. Yeah, I don't know if you can microchip a king snake and like make sure it comes back, but I'm sure he would try. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad you're afraid of snakes. A lot of people are. I'm not anymore.
0: Yeah, it's a, uh, the thing about snakes is you, you always meet them on their terms. <laughs> no
1: matter what. They're
0: kind of like spiders in that sense If you never meet a spider on your terms. It's always <laughs> like, I'm going to, let me get this shoe up. Oh, gosh, nope. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind spiders either. You know what's weird? I think that before I became married and before I had children, I was scared of like lots of stuff. But when I was thinking about this episode, I was like, I can't really think of much of that I'm afraid of anymore. I feel like it. You know, it, at some point, it all blends together, and the only thing you're afraid of is like something happening to your kids. That's, like that's, that's your mama only bear. tangible fear. Yeah, that
0: mama bear strength, right there.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: That's the. I think it's equivalent of old man strength.
1: I don't know. I would never claim to be as strong as an old man.
0: Well, it's not old, but I mean, like, see, guys know this of like, you can, like in your early twenties, you can go to the gym and get buff, but like, you don't, there's like a certain strength that arrives like in your mid thirties when you start to give up on life.
1: (laughs) <laughs> okay. So just the the strength of cynicism.
0: It, and it's passed down like from father to son because it wasn't until I was in my, you know, early to mid 30s that I that I finally felt like I could defeat my dad in a fight if it ever came to that.
1: Uh, what about now?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So it's almost like the old man's strength gets passed from from father to son. And once you hit your mid 30s, it's like once you decide that you could beat your dad in a fight, It's like you just become imbued with all this angry, you know, angry strength of you know my life has passed me by and my dreams will go unmet. But
1: (laughs) wow, this sounds really good. (laughs) 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 This sounds like a hashtag blessing. Happy for you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It's right up there with my teenage death obsession.
0: All right, it's your turn. What, what, what else have you been afraid of?
1: Um, uh, what other things have I conquered that I'm no longer afraid of? I used to be, you know, it's, I, I used to be afraid of all these things and then they happened. Like, I used to be afraid of crashing my car and I've, I've crashed my car because I'm a horrible driver. You know, I used to be afraid of Getting in trouble with the police. I used to be afraid of getting a letter from the IRS. I used to be afraid of, you know, not being able to make my rent. You know, I used to be afraid of all these things and every single one of them I've been dangerously close to or has happened and I, you know, I was fine. I'm still here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, it's, it's hard to think back on how terrifying certain things used to seem. Were you ever afraid of the dark? Um.
0: I mean, I feel probably when I was really young, but it, that I don't think that lasted very long.
1: Because out in the country, it is dark. Yeah. Like, it's really, really, like, a darkness I can't even understand. We were driving through Pittsburgh one time, and, like, out, like, near a camp or something, and I said, this is creepy. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I was afraid of the dark probably longer than most people are.
0: Yeah, it's got it's a kinda... I know what you mean. Like when you're in the country and there's no lights, it's like a, it's, it's, it's heavy and it's deep. It's a yeah. Deep heavy
1: is a good word for it. Yeah. It's like, it's like, like the word used before, like otherworldly, like that's how like especially if you're not used to it, you know, especially if there's always, you can't see the stars outside where mm-hmm. you live. And then suddenly like, you're like, Oh wow, I'm on a planet and it's really, really dark and the sun is gone. Um, <laughs> it can be a little unnerving.
0: Yeah, Definitely definitely uh, I got I got one more this one this one's this one's kind of depressing so I'm definitely going to drop it on Fun Sexy Bible Time okay I had a fear um, a couple of years ago a couple years ago we were having some pretty bad financial issues um, as, a, as a family and one of the things that was really bothering me was that I didn't know, like, if you know, if if it was going to continue, and we were, you know, we were always going to be poor, like we were at that point. I was really worried that, like, my oldest daughter would be embarrassed by me.
1: Oh man, that sounds terrifying. Oh, I feel that. Yeah. Um,
0: and I, you know, I just would kind of like play it forward in my mind of like, okay, well, she's kind of young now, but like, what happens? When she's in middle school, what happens when she's like in, you know, she's getting older and, you know, her friends are doing things and and she can't go out with her friends and she can't do the things her friends are doing because. Yeah,
1: you're like doing the math. You're like, at what age does she become aware of how bad this is?
0: Yeah. And like, I, I'm, I knew like that she would always love me, you know, because that's what kids do. Kids, kids love their parents, even when things are broken. But it was like, you know, I just I don't want her to look at me and realize oh, my dad's a, my dad's a loser when it comes to finances.
1: Yeah. Not a, oh, good, man. Not
0: a good provider.
1: I can totally hear that. I, I remember just a couple of days ago, there was a commercial on and it showed, it was an Olympics commercial. Maybe you saw it. It was like a bunch of kids all dressed to go speed skating and all like their rich speed skater gear. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a mom with her son and he's in like a bunch of hand-me-down stuff and he looks like a ragamuffin. And I was like, that's my kid. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's totally my kid. And instead of feeling inspiration, I felt like Olympic despair, like the despair you feel that you're too old to ever become an Olympian. Like that's how I felt about that commercial. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess we all do that sort of mental calculation, like those gymnastics in our head where we're thinking, well, you know, if I can just if I can just keep up this facade until my kid is X, Y, Z age, you know, then they'll never have to know how hard it was because you never want your kid to know. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I definitely I think most parents would resonate with that fear. I haven't told you my deepest fear.
0: Okay. Um, you already have a basement full of snakes, so I don't know how it can get worse than that.
1: <laughs> well, I realize that I probably made it sound like I'm not afraid of anything anymore, but I do have one thing I'm still afraid of, which is I'm afraid of not being good, not being a good enough writer to deliver the message that I have to deliver
0: okay
1: um so it's kind of like a twofold fear like i'm not I'm afraid of not being good enough and then I'm also afraid of thinking that I'm good enough even though I'm not
0: so is, is that is that a fear of mediocrity
1: um I think it's a more like a fear of like lack of self-awareness okay. a fear of embarrassment you. you know like a fear of like yeah I have this really great thing that I think I'm capable of doing but I'm actually not capable of it and no one will tell me the, kind of okay. fear I guess you know yeah and I maybe a lot of people that write you know most of the my audience, quote-unquote audience, most of the people that I talk to are writers, so maybe they will resonate with that fear, I hope. Otherwise, I'm just the only person who's, you know, I have a friend who says, I'd rather hate myself for who I am than love myself for sucking. <laughs> 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 and, um, yeah, it's kind of how I feel about writing sometimes.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's tough because you think about, like, who would tell you that who would tell you like if you if you didn't do a good job on something that's tough because i don't know how many people i would tell that to
1: yeah totally and you get to a point where you're saying this is my career this is what i've got so if i'm bad at it i, I kind of don't want to know <laughs> <laughs> it's too late
0: Yeah. Uh, see now that's got me thinking of like who in my life would tell uh, my wife would my wife throws up the veto sometimes on the front end.
1: <laughs> okay. By the way, I'm really glad your wife has Twitter. I think I was her second follower. <laughs> I was like, I have to see how this unfolds. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. That's important. You found a good thing. Your help meet will stop you if you're ever going to dive off the cliff. But like, what will she veto? I guess you can't tell me something. She's vetoed. Cause you, oh, no,
0: she... I'll definitely tell you. Um, Let's see. I, she had some reservations about the blog post I did called "The Christian Sutra," where it was like all the sex positions. <laughs> yeah, are yeah,
1: yeah. Those. Okay, I'm familiar. <laughs> she, she had, had some reservations. Okay. She,
0: I can't remember. She might have made me take some stuff out of that one. Um, and there was another one. It was like a it was a fan fiction piece I did, and she was just like, no. <laughs>
1: not, not this one. Can you tell if you when your wife when your wife reads something if she's like not laughing? You're like, oh no. This no, she'll,
0: is not, no, I um, can maybe like when we were newlyweds, but now it's to the point where she'll read it and she'll just like look up above the the computer and like make eye contact with me, like really, <laughs>
1: really. I'm so glad you guys have that. I love that.
0: And uh, yeah, so she'll. She'll throw up the veto sometimes.
1: Okay. But a that's lot of funny. times
0: it's a conditional veto where she's like, okay, I'm going to let you publish this, but I'm on the record as being iffy.
1: <laughs> she's like, all right, do what you have to do. It's just, she's
0: just hedging her bet because then like if her friends tell her that it's funny, she'll get to ham it up and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it, if it bombs, she can say, I told you so.
1: I told you there would be pushback. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> I don't know. I think my husband would tell me. My husband will definitely tell me when my ideas are bad. Um, and sometimes he makes fun of, like, my really old college poetry, which oh, I definitely, definitely, I deserve that. Um, so maybe, I'm sure he would tell me if my writing was, like, super unsalvageable. Um, and he told me before, like, yeah, that wasn't clear you know, I have Ashley, I guess, to be like, yeah, that wasn't, I don't think she'd be like, that was bad. But she'd probably say that wasn't your best. Or, you know, maybe you could have said that differently, type of thing. It's just hard. Like, you know, you don't creative people, there's usually just a limit to how many of us are in one community. So you're usually the only you're the creative person, (laughs) lucky you, that gets to be in your community. So people are usually just telling you that you should go for it. I guess.
0: Was the Christian sutra? Was that the one I sent you guys for upright?
1: Um, I don't think so. But I have to say, one of my greatest regrets is not publishing the piece that you sent us. <laughs> I wish that I wish that we published it. Looking back, because I think we were really aiming for like a certain kind of audience, and we should have been aiming at a different audience.
0: <laughs> it had something to do with sex.
1: Yeah, I know, there was. I don't know if it was that was one just, or a different one. There was definitely, it was about marriage, I think. You were like, this is how you know you found your wife. And you were like listing things about your wife. And then at the end, there was like actually a really sweet and strong and good ending um, that was not at all meant to be funny. I don't think it was just, it was just good. But there was a, a list of great things that you loved about your wife that were all very, you know, Song of Solomon.
0: Mm. They
1: were very on brand.
0: On brand. Hashtag on brand. Hashtag, hashtag
1: engagement. Hashtag laughed out loud, though. I really liked it. <laughs> so let me go on the record saying, you know, upright. We don't have many regrets, but we should have published the Matthew Pierce piece.
0: Listen, when, when, when you fire up the upright engines, just let me know. Let me know. <laughs> and I will send you something that will make you so uncomfortable. And <laughs> we'll just repeat this process.
1: Oh, my gosh. I'll write that down as my next fear. whatever Whatever you send me next to publish on upright I now know you'll be trying to outdo yourself and I'm afraid of it
0: <laughs> um, so what you know as as Christians oh that's a bad segue I just did like a pastor thing where you did a fake laugh and then try to bring it home
1: <laughs> okay do you want to try again <laughs>
0: okay. speaking speaking of fear let's make a fear some more uh
1: huh. Okay. No,
0: uh-huh. okay. that, that was weak, but it's better than the first one. Uh as Christians <laughs> you know, it's a tricky thing because I sort of feel like I shouldn't be afraid of a lot of things. But then you get into weird territory of like, well, fear is an emotion. You can't always control emotions, so what do you do with that?
1: Yeah. Hmm. I guess there's a point where we have to separate the primal part of fear, like the animal part of us that will fear. And like you're saying, the emotional reaction part of fear. And hopefully as we, as we grow deeper in our faith, but hopefully as we feel more sure of ourselves and more sure of who we believe God to be, I think the emotion part of fear tamps down a little bit. Like it's definitely perfectly natural though, to have things in your life that you fear. But probably though, I think I've, as we've been talking, I've noticed like for both of us, as we've grown older, the the fears have gone less from like the physical fears to like more existential ones, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, I, how do you, how are you going to avoid that? I have no idea.
0: Yeah, it's just a like a weird kind of thing that I got hung up on of thinking, you know, as a Christian, like, I should have the least fear of anyone. Like, I shouldn't be, there's nothing for me to be afraid of as a Christian. Like, there's literally nothing I need to be afraid of.
1: But I think that you're on to something in that most of the people that believe in Jesus that I know are extremely fearful, and I think the things that they're afraid of are, I mean, I think everything we're afraid of is attached to something deeper, right? Like, whether it's attached to our pride. Like, my deepest fears are attached to my pride. And or All of some those of-
0: Christian people, all of those Christian people who are afraid, every single one of them are on Twitter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Twitter's great if you're scared, I think. T-
0: <laughs> well, no, I'm just like – because by the time they get on Twitter, it gets – Uh, pressed down and reprocessed into angst and (laughs) anger. Twitter
1: Twitter angst and anger, yeah. But, I mean, when I see people on their news feeds trying so hard to, like, look a certain way or reflect a certain set of values or, like, prove themselves, it is all just, like, an echoing of a huge fear that we all have that's just, like, you know, who am I? Am I something, you know, am I someone valuable?
0: Well, it's pretty clear you're subtweeting Richard Clark right there.
1: Every single tweet I've ever tweeted is a subtweet at Richard Clark, the original, the king of the subtweet. And I'm just—he won't notice, and it's so upsetting.
0: (laughs) He did. He did Yeoman's work on the Christian Tweet of the Year, though.
1: (laughs) Why do you say that?
0: Yeah. Well, he was—he was one of the driving forces on the uh, he helped me draft the field for the christian tweet of the year
1: oh 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 you mean your um your tournament like your what what was it it started with how many did it start with
0: uh i think it was like 60 and then we got it down to 16 and then we finally settled on the sexy stones tweet right, we well, didn't settle on it people voted on it
1: i remember just refreshing it and refreshing it and refreshing it because i wanted to see what people were voting for and then i realized i probably just gave you a huge traffic spike so you're welcome <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean sexy stones wasn't my choice but you know it's well, not about me it's about the people
1: what was your choice
0: Oh, I had several. I liked the one uh from Gary Thomas. Uh it, it's our choice. Um <laughs> White knuckles or red knees.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I liked the one um where John Piper was um just like really going on about nothing. Like in fact I think you had a whole um blog post just devoted to his tweets, right?
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah,
1: so it was one where he was he was talking about sex, but like not really. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was just really confusing and ultimately creepy. And I think that was probably the one I voted for the most till it got eliminated.
0: Well, and Ann Voskamp was just she's just a beautiful tweeter, and uh, the one where she said "show up and bend down." <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: they're all so good it's just such it's proof that none of us can hear ourselves it's so funny
0: it wouldn't have been funny like if if someone else had done it but because it was Anne Voskamp and she was trying to be profound and, and <laughs> sanitized like it, it was just even more funny
1: <laughs> yeah well I'm glad that um someone is keeping track of the real heroes of Christian Twitter because I feel like nobody else is by the way I know that there's a podcast sort of similar in nature to this podcast, which will not be named, but is helmed by one of the Gilmore guys. You know about this podcast, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm not going to listen to that podcast. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm protesting it. I'm not saying that he copied this podcast, but I'm saying there's no proof that he didn't. (laughs) So I'm... You know, I stand with you. Hashtag stand with Matthew Pierce. I'm not going to listen to it, even Hashtag. though it sounds really good.
0: Hashtag synergy.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you want to start it, if you wanted to like start a trending movement, I'd be behind that.
0: Hey, more power to that guy. I'm just happy that God delivered him out of the Gilmore Girls. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, then he went a step further. He watched Bunhead's there was a whole little offshoot where they watched another um, series by Amy Sherman Palladino Bunheads
0: well I mean as, as let me get my Baptist on right now well I guess God's just not done with him yet
1: God's not done with him yet absolutely not stealing podcast ideas we can tell we can tell where he's at